there, I'm Britton, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Cape Cod Church, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, enjoy this message in our current series, Outsiders. Lyrics are where culture cries out, right? And I've been doing this series uh, with the band for, for a lot of years now, and one of the things I've noticed is there's a number of recurring themes in songs. In fact, there's probably just a handful of themes, and every song is about those handful of, of themes. And one of those themes is loneliness. You hear it all the time. The boulevard of broken dreams. I walk these lonely streets. So here's what I've discovered about loneliness. Um, Loneliness can happen in a crowded room, in the midst of success and celebration to the most popular of people. Loneliness is uh, a part of our story. And here's the thing that we discover. Loneliness is an issue of the soul and not a social issue. It's not who we're surrounded by. It's it's something that's that's in here that has to be resolved. And and in this series and in this story in particular, Jesus is, is walking into this issue of the soul. He's walking into the issue of outsiders and insiders and and loneliness. In this passage in particular, in John, Jesus is in Samaria. And he's in this village of Sychar at at a well. You're going to see that in a moment. And he meets with this woman, and they, they begin to have this conversation. And it would be easy to get wrapped up in some of the details of the conversation and maybe to miss the the big picture. And so what I'm I'm hoping we can do is we can look at uh, the big picture because in this big picture, what Jesus is going to do is he's going to solve this loneliness by moving an outsider to an insider in the very same way he wants to do for all of us. He moves us from the outside to the inside and he solves, he resolves this this tension, this issue that's deep within us. Uh, Let me me read to you the story because it, it, it it reads well, a little bit long, but I think I think you'll, you'll be able to kind of place yourself there in the scenery. In John chapter 4, and in verse 4, it says he had to go through Samaria on the way. Uh, Jesus, when you see that had to go, it's, a, it's indicative that there's a story happening, right? There's a, uh, Jesus is, is writing a narrative for us, and he's fulfilling prophecies, and, and he's going through Samaria. And it says eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar. In other words, this is not an accident. And near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Jacob's well was there. Keep that in the back of your mind. That will come in handy later. And Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well around noontime. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. 
He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was, was surprised because Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans, right? Outsider, insider. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman, double outsider. I'm a Samaritan and I'm a woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? We're, we're on opposite sides of the aisle. We're we're not friends. What are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She doesn't quite get it. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. <laughs> How are you getting living water? And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water, this fresh running water? Where are you? I don't understand. And besides, who do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoy? This is Jacob's well. Do you know what happened here? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I will give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. This gives you life, eternal life. That's, that's not something future, that's something present. He says, this, this, what I'm here to give you is something that is about the future and it's about the present, it's, it's life. But what happens next is what happens next is really, I think, the, the story of how I, outsiders become insiders. But it'll take a little bit of explaining to get to because um, the, the woman is, she, she's intrigued, she's curious, but she's not exactly sure what's going on. And she's certainly not prepared for what's about to happen. In verse 15, she says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. You see, she still is thinking like, like physical, like I, I, don't, I don't fully get it, but, but, but I want it. And, and Jesus knows he has to go a little bit deeper. And, and so here's what he does, verse 16. He says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Verse 17, she replies, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Well now, that conversation went south quick. Like, where's the gentle Jesus we're used to? We're, I mean, Jesus is like, you know, calling her, calling her, I, I, go get your husband. And he, and, he, and he knows, he knows what's going on. And she says, I, I don't, she's skirting the issue. I don't, I don't have a husband. And she, he says, I, I know you don't have a husband. You're, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now hasn't hasn't married you and uh, now here's what happens with this passage we 
But we tend to interpret this passage in light of our own understanding about marriage and relationships and, and we, we put into this story, and, and I've done this too, like we, 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 we paint this, we look at this, and we just automatically read it as a story of, of immorality, like, like Jesus is calling out this woman's immorality and, and, and the failures that she's responsible for, all of these, all of these failed marriages. In fact, uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago, I knew I had this on the docket, and I happened to be online and I saw um, a friend, a pastor friend, whose message was online and he was preaching on this passage. So I gave it a couple of minutes because I was curious. And he actually, right at this point, he says, Jesus calls out her adultery. Well, actually, no, he doesn't. He actually never says that. He just says, you've been married five times times he doesn't say what it was that happened now listen this may be a story of you know an a, a, you know an ancient elizabeth taylor kind of a story it might be you know it might just be a a string of yep i'm done i'm done i'm done i'm done i'm done but it's that that it's not clear that that's actually what's happening here like like See, there's a few things that we, we take our culture and we put it in their culture and those things don't translate well because it turns out in their culture, women never had the right of divorce. See, it turns out in their culture, a woman simply didn't have the ability to divorce a man. Couldn't happen. But a man had a right to divorce a woman for any cause. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm away. Now, it, it could be that she had five husbands that, that passed away. We, we, we don't know. And it could have been that she was unfaithful. We don't know. And it very well could have been in their culture that, that she had been married five times, and five times men had left her. And that she was at the end of a long string of rejections, and the guy she was with now wouldn't even marry her. We, we simply don't know, but, but the story and the, the, the truth of the times leads us to believe there's more here than maybe, maybe meets the eye. And oh, by the way, when she goes back to the town and she tells them that she's met Jesus later on at the end of the story, you can read it for yourself. When, when, when she goes back and she tells them, the people listen. Like she's considered a credible witness. They're, they're like, Really, we need to go hear this. So, so this is not somebody at the margins or the fringes. Like, like her word carries weight. And when they heard that this man, Jesus, knew and told her whole story, th apparently they knew her story. And it was such a profound, impactful story that if this man knew it and this man spoke to it, they needed to go hear this man's too. We just, we just don't know. And, and maybe, maybe that's the point. Maybe... Maybe the point is, is that, that, that there was pain in her life and we don't know where the pain come from. We just knew that she had pain and Jesus didn't avoid it. Jesus, Jesus like steps into the middle of her story and he picks up the most painful thing in her life and he pokes at it. He, he, he brings it up and that's not normal. That's not what we're used to doing. We're not used to, because what we do to resolve tensions in our life, you know what we do? We avoid them, don't we? We avoid tension like, like, 
whatever we can do, we, we just like, we, we justify it. You know how you justify things? You rename it and you reframe it, right? You just, well, I, you know, I, I made a mistake. I, I had a failing. That was a, a thing that happened, right? We're, we're, we're coming up with names for it, right? Or, or we reframe it. Well, they did this and then I did that, or this happened and then this happened, or this was the scenario, or this is how I grew up. And we, so we rename things and we reframe things because we're justifying them because we want to avoid dealing with them. And sometimes when that doesn't work, we bury them. You know what we bury things with? We bury things with a pint. A pint of alcohol or a pint of Ben and Jerry's. Effect is the same, right? Just done. Just want to forget that. Just, you know, long day, long night. Bring up a pint. Right? And if none of that works, we just stuff it in a closet. We all have a closet full of stuff that shall not be spoken of. Right? Because we're just... We're, we're, we're avoiding it. We're, we're avoiding it. But Jesus doesn't avoid it. He, <laughs> he, he pokes it. And we avoid it because, because we think that the problems are out there. And if I can just keep the problems out there and I can protect what's in here, I, I'm, I'm okay. The problem is out there. And, and if I can just keep it out there, just keep it at a distance, keep it far enough away that I don't have to deal with it, then, 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 I, then I'm okay. And and, and, and sometimes, like, the this, this, this stink out there is so overwhelming, we just end up in a little shell. M most of us, some of you grew up on farms. If you grew up on a farm, I'm, I'm, I apologize, because this won't be a helpful illustration at all, because you're going to think this is normal. But for most of us that grew up, like, either in cities or, like, we're, you know, diehard suburbanites, we're not used to farm country. And the first time you go to farm country, and I'm not talking like, like Nebraska cornfields, I'm talking cow farm country. Have you ever like gone to cow, cow farm country and you roll down the window and your eyes start watering? It's like, oh my gosh. Like, how do people live in this? Like, like the, 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 the smell, like I, we, we went, our staff went to a conference a couple of years ago down in Pennsylvania and we just like, we have been driving in the air-conditioned car. We got outside. We're like, oh! it, was, it was like overwhelming. It was hot, and the wind was blowing in the right direction. And we were just like, you know, like, quick, you know, roll up the window. That's the old version of roll up the window. Remember that? All the young folk are, what the heck is he doing? Yes, yes, before power windows. We did this, right? And we're, or that, roll it up, right? We're, we're all, because what I want to do is I want to keep, Keep the outside outside and the inside, but you know what? What's inside lingers a long time, doesn't it? It just like sticks around, and sometimes the outside sneaks into the inside, and oh, let's be honest, sometimes the stink is on the inside. You see, we think the problem is on the outside, and the solution is on the inside. We think the problem is them and the solution is me. The problem is out there and the solution is up to me. But Jesus, Jesus thinks just the opposite. Jesus thinks the problem is in me and the solution is outside of me. I mean, this is the gospel in a nutshell, right? The, the problem, the, 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 the tension, the issue, the, the, the thing that needs to be resolved, the work that can be done is, is, is in me. 
But the solution isn't in me. The solution is outside of me. The problem is in me, but the solution is outside of me. And Jesus is, is stepping into her world to wrestle with, with this tension, this idea that, listen, the, the, there, there, there's, there's something in you that's, that's not working, something in you that's broken, something in you that's hurting. And I'm telling you, you're thinking and you're working and you're living like all the solutions to what's in you or what's about you and what's hurting you is inside of you, but I'm here to tell you that problem in you, I'm the one who resolves. And that's what Jesus is poking at. And so he asks her about her marriage. And the truth comes out. And of course, when the, when the truth comes out, what do you do? But you've you got to say something. So in verse, verse 19, she well, it's an odd reply. She, um, it seems like she's, you know, changing the subject. I'm not actually sure that's true. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. <laughs> Both of these are terms of respect. Sir, you must be a prophet. So, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while the Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? She, she, she's, she's poking at the, this tension. She, she's, she's wrestling with the fact that he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan. He's an insider and, and she's the outsider. And, and she says, I, I don't... I don't, I don't get it. You're, you're, why are you talking to me? And why are you talking to me like family? And why are you offering me living water? And I don't understand this because you know our people are different. We're not the same. Your people say this and our people say this. Our people, our people say that the center of worship is here at Mount Gerizim. Now, that doesn't mean anything to us, but in 330 B.C., Alexander the Great, uh, while, while conquering everything, um, gave the Samaritans uh, uh, the privilege, the, gave permission to build a temple. And at Mount Gerizim, they built a temple for the center of their, of their worship. And for a few hundred years, that was the center of their worship for the Samaritan people. And then in about 128 BC, uh, a, a Jewish military leader named John Heraclius came through and conquered Samaria and destroyed their temple, leveling it forever. And it had never been rebuilt, but the people longed for it to be rebuilt. And this tension, this animosity had been brewing for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And the Samaritan people had grown up with this division deeply entrenched about worship being here and, and the Jewish people saying worship being there. And she's like, I don't get it. Your people say this and my people say this. We feel like we're worlds apart. And Jesus is about to answer that. In verse 21, Jesus replied, hmm, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. <laughs> details, details, details. Big stuff coming. That's what he's saying. Listen, you're just, I know that's like, that's the history, but we're rewriting history here Verse 22, he says, You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while the Jews know all about him, for salvation comes to the Jews. He's talking about the Messiah. 
and the fact that the Messiah was prophesied to come through uh, the line of David, which was through the Jews. And now it says, but the time is coming. Verse 23. Indeed, it's here. Now. When true words, did you catch that? It's here now. Like right now, right in front of you. History is changing. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Are you still a little confused? Good. She was too. She says, ah, that's in the Greek in the middle right there. Ah. I know the Messiah is coming, the, the one who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. It's his first declaration in the Gospel of John. It's this, it's this bold. He's like, <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know if Jesus had a sense of humor. I sort of think he did. Yes, that's, that's, that's me. Yes. <laughs> it's me. I'm the Messiah. And I have come to make one family. I've come to make one family of, of Jews and Samaritans, one family of Jews and Gentiles, one family of all people through the Messiah. Don't you see? Don't you see? I'm inviting you into my family. That's what I'm here to do. I'm making one family. I'm bringing this all together. And there's a part of this that you wouldn't naturally see because for most of us, we're not familiar with, with the ancient world and the customs of the day. But, but those who were watching this story play out and those who were reading this in the first century saw this and they're like, whoa, right? Because here's the thing, the well, the, the well, like the physical well that you came to was the dating site for the first century. Like, if you wanted to meet people, you went to the well. Like, like this is before they had those dating apps, like Hinge and the other ones, like, like where you fill out your profile. You would just go to the well. You go to the well, and at the well, you, like, you meet people. Like, you would go in the morning because there was lots of people, and you go in the evening, there's lots of people. Honestly, people don't often come at noon. You come at noon because you want to avoid people, but, but she's here at noon, and, and that's when the story's happening. But you come to the well, and that's where you meet people. And, 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 and honestly, uh, for, for Jewish readers and Jewish listeners, they're like seeing this story play out. And oh, and so if you remember a little bit of your Old Testament, you remember that this story has played out multiple times. In fact, the story of God is written about around wells, right? You, 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 you remember how, how Isaac, like when God was writing all this story, Isaac comes to the well. Oh, by the way, he comes to the well and he meets Rebecca and she goes home and she tells her family and they come back and they make a family. And then a generation later, you remember what happens? Jacob, same exact thing. Jacob comes to the well and at the well, he meets 
the bride, the, the families come together and a new family is formed. And then it happens again with Moses and Moses meets a group of women and Zipporah becomes his wife. And in all of these stories, there's this, there's this narrative playing out that the Jewish listener would have seen here, right? And in the narrative, it always happens like this, that the, the, the man uh, or his representative is traveling through a foreign land and he comes to the well and he meets the woman and the woman goes, they talk about water and drawing water and the woman goes back and she tells her family and the family comes back and they create a new family together. And it happened over and over and over again. And it was a part of the story of what God was doing to create his family. And now Jesus is traveling through a foreign land and he comes to the well and he meets this woman and she goes back and she tells her village and the whole village comes. And together God is saying, listen, I am the Messiah. And through, one, through me, we are becoming one family because of Jesus Christ. I am breaking down these things that separate us and divide us, and I am inviting you into my family. Listen, I'm that, that Jew Gentile thing that you think divides us, we're family because of the Messiah. You've tried five times. Five times. For a family. And you're here alone. And I'm telling you today, today, you have a new family. You're part of my family. You're part of the family that I am making. You, you see what Jesus is saying? He's saying, listen, there's something inside of you and only something outside of you can solve it. All of that, all of that tension, all of that, all of that brokenness that you're hiding and avoiding and staying awake at night, I'm the one who fixes that. You can't fix that. You can't fix that. That stuff inside of you, you can't fix that. Does that disappoint you? That the solution is not in me? Are, are, you, are you still of the mind that I can do this I can do this. I, I can fix this. <laughs> I can resolve this. I can, I can rescue myself. I can, I, can, I can save myself because that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, listen, the solution to what's inside of you is something that's outside of you. This is what I came to do. And maybe this is why Jesus pokes at those five failed attempts Maybe he's just, he's just bringing up the futility of it. And he's saying, listen, when everything else in life, when all of the other solutions fail us, I'm faithful. When you've run out of solutions and run out of options and run out of ways, listen, I'm here and I'm faithful and I'm able. This is what I came to do. I came to rescue you. I came to save you. I came to make of all people through the Messiah, Jesus Christ, 
one family. And I do it through the grace of forgiveness, mercy. And she didn't see the full picture yet, but one day he would go to the cross and through the cross, he would offer this grace, this mercy, this forgiveness that allows each of us to accept that gift and become a part of his family. Because the solution to what's in us is outside of us. It's Jesus. And what he's saying to her is what he's saying to us. I am making a new family through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You can't rescue yourself. You can't save yourself. You can't fix it yourself. You can only accept the gift of what he has done and who he is. And that changes everything. You see, it doesn't make life perfect, and it doesn't make you perfect. At least it didn't make me perfect. I mean, I can remember the moment where I embraced Christ as my Savior, and how in that moment I, I felt transformed, but I was young, and I didn't know what I didn't know. But here's what I've discovered, that, that when God makes me a part of his family, nothing I can do and nothing anyone else can do to me can change that. And that is a security that literally changes everything. Would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and I wonder if... If maybe you've been on, on this, this journey uh, God at, at work and you, you've sensed that, that he's calling you, inviting you like, like there's, a, <laughs> there's, a, there's a spiritual tension in your soul And at moments, it might feel like you're, you're, you're the, the woman at the well and Jesus is poking at the painful parts of your life, but, he, but he's not doing it to embarrass you. He's not doing it to shame you. He's doing it so he can make you a part of his, his family. He wants you to see that what you need is outside of you. What you need is a, is a savior, a, a rescue, or a Messiah, one who accepts you and makes you part of his family. And if that's your story, I just... I want to invite you in the quiet of the moment. You don't even have to wait on me to pray. Just, just where you're seated or wherever you're watching online, just, just pray and accept that gift. Open your heart, your life to him. Embrace that gift of forgiveness, saying yes to Jesus as Messiah, as Savior. If that's you, then... I want to invite you to pray with me. You don't have to repeat my prayer. It's your, it's your heart, your, your prayer of faith that he's listening to, but you could pray something like this, dear Jesus. You know every story about me, just like you knew the woman's story that day. You know the pain of what's been done to me and the deeper pain of what I've done. 
and I confess it all. I ask for your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you and you alone as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning into this message from our Outsider series. If you enjoyed today's message, join us again next week or join our live stream on Sunday at both 9 and 11 a.m. EST. We are so excited to meet you and get to know you. By filling out the Connect card in the caption, we will have the opportunity to reach out and introduce you to our church. Lastly, share this with a friend. If you want to support us, leave a like or subscribe so you never miss out on a message. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time.